0: sections are actually the most common inpatient surgery in the United States. There's about 1.3 million of them done a year. The other kind of like or one of the other really big things honestly is the opioid epidemic. You know, people never think that it's going to be them that, that has this problem, but I actually did the math the other day when I was preparing a lecture for a bunch of med students And based on the number of patients that are opiate naive, so they've never taken opiates before, at the time of C-section, that are likely to get addicted to opiates after having a C-section, and then multiply that by the number of C-sections that are done per year, approximately 4,333 women per year get addicted to opioids from their C-sections. That is a ridiculous number. And it just makes my skin crawl.
1: (laughs) Welcome to the Mother Honestly podcast. This is your host, Blessing Adesio founder and CEO of Mother Honestly. On this show, we interview ambitious women that are thriving in and beyond motherhood. Expect honest and real conversations that will encourage and inspire you to take actions on your dreams. Welcome to the Mother Honestly podcast. My name is Blessing Adesion founder and CEO of Mother Honestly. Today I have with me Dr. Angela Storer, an OBGYN based in Texas. She's a trailblazer in pain management focused on helping a patient recover after many common women's health procedures with limited to no opioid use. She knows firsthand the devastating impact the current opioid epidemic has had on millions of families across the country, and has made it a mission to reduce the use of opioids in our practice. Dr. Store is a member of the International Society for the Study of Women's Sexual Health and the International Pelvic Pain Society, serving on its Patient Education Committee. And just so you know, this Modern Honestly podcast is sponsored by Passera Biosciences. So welcome, Dr. Store. How are you? Thank you so much. I'm good. Uh, how are you doing? I'm doing okay. Um, it's, <laughs> you know, I, I feel like 2020, everybody's okay is just the perfect answer at this stage. <laughs> yeah, I'm not sure anybody can say they're great right now in the middle of a pandemic. Exactly, exactly. So Dr. Stewart we have a lot to cover. Um, as you know, Mother Honestly is a platform for mothers and um, a lot of our moms, are, you know, they have kids between zero to five years of age. And a lot of them are also either pregnant, having some type of surgery. So, and then, you know, we're a mom, right? Balancing so much. So let's chat about you. As a busy mom of two and an OBGYN, how do you balance your role as a mother, a wife, and taking care of patients?
0: <laughs> it is a little bit of a juggling act, which honestly, I think women are, are pretty good at it baseline. We learn how to do this, because we know how to multitask just to be able to function. Um, so yeah, I have two little ones, Mine are five and eight. And I, I think what helps me kind of balance being a mom to those two little ones and being an OBGYN and being a wife, and a friend and all of these other things that I need to do is to try and be really 100% present wherever I am. And with whomever I'm with. Um, If I'm at the office or hospital, I try and be 100% present with my patients and not worry about what may be going on at home. Fortunately, I have an amazing husband who does the majority of the child care, and I can trust him to do that. And then when I'm at home, I'm 100% present with my kids and my husband. I have wonderful partners at work who I trust to take care of my patients when I'm off. And so I think having a good group of people that you can trust to be able to take off the part that you're not doing right now is super important.
1: And I'm not gonna say I'm totally a master at all of this, but I, I really try. And I think for the most part, it's working. That's that's fantastic. Just a story, I think, you know, as a busy mom and a physician, I just don't understand how you do it, um, especially, you know, with the type of hours that, you know, I'm guessing, you know, is required in, in the medical, in medical industry. Um, but I know that you understand the pressure women put on themselves um, to return home and get back to their daily routine as quickly as possible um, after a surgery, which, you know, a lot of our moms personally, I also, you know, um, have three kids and all by C-section. So as an OBGYN, can you explain the type of surgeries that you typically perform?
0: Yeah, sure. So um, I I do a lot more GYN than I do OB, to be honest. So a lot of the surgeries that I'm doing are for things related to pelvic pain, so stuff like hysterectomies, removing ovarian cysts, doing uh, tubal surgery. That sort of thing, but I, I also do a decent amount of C sections still. And C sections are actually the most common inpatient surgery in the United States. There's about 1.3 million of them done a year, um, and about one third of babies are done by C sections. So um, a lot of the a lot of the surgeries I do really are related to gynecology, but I, I still have my hand in the OB world too. Oh,
1: that's I I, I wish now that you were my doctor. Um, <laughs> My, my three little ones. So what do your patients focused on the most prior to surgery? Um, because, you know, for me, I just didn't know what to expect. And I think that was one of the biggest unknown, especially when you're trying to bring a child into the world, you already know that's an unknown, or maybe you're going for a surgery. Um, so what is, what is the one question you wish they would ask you? Well, just like you, I would say most of my patients focus on the
0: actual procedure. They want to know, what are you going to do? Where's the cut going to be? How long is it going to take me to recover? When can I get back to work, etc. And a lot of women are actually a lot less concerned about what I think is probably the biggest thing, which is the recovery experience and the best ways to recover quickly. Um, I, I think Asking for very specific things from your surgeon can be super helpful. And the one thing I encourage my patients to ask for is what can you do as a surgeon for me as a patient to help me recover as quickly as possible? And my answer to that is always, we need to look at non-opioid pain managements and doing what's called an ARIS protocol or an enhanced recovery after surgery. The more things that we can do within these protocols to help women get back to their lives faster with minimal pain, the better. And being able to do the non-opioid approaches, patients just recover much more quickly and we get rid of a lot of the side effects and dangers associated.
1: So you are, I mean, I don't know, I just feel I'm so excited right now because this was exactly, I I mean, again, I wish I had you, but when I had my (laughs) three little ones, you know, I did. I chose that. I I didn't even know that you know opioids was you know that much of an epidemic. I just knew that I didn't want you know any kind of you know extra things in in my recovery. I just wanted a much more different um, non-opioid approach. And, and 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 because to me, my recovery was important to me, and I didn't want to have to you know, be impacted. I didn't want that recovery to be impacted by any other thing. So one of the biggest question, um, well, one of my biggest question would be, why is this important, right? Why, why is this pain management so important, um, especially for women, especially for moms? Um, you know, I'm a working mom and I only get, you know, six to eight weeks. Of, 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 you know, maternity leave. So uh, off the top of my head, that's what I would be thinking about personally, but why is the pain so important um, for women? So, well, there's a couple of reasons that pain is really important. I would say number
0: one, the exact reason that you were looking at is one of the biggest reasons to ask about pain management. When you're looking at something like trying to get back to work, Patients who have poorly, held, poorly handled pain management don't get back to work as fast. And when they do get back to work, they're not doing well with it. Um, so it, the pain management really is important to get patients back to work. The other kind of like, or one of the other really big things, honestly, is the opioid epidemic. You know, People never think that it's going to be them. That, that has this problem. But I actually did the math the other day when I was preparing a lecture for a bunch of med students. And based on the number of patients that are opiate naive, so they've never taken opiates before, at the time of C-section that are likely to get addicted to opiates after having a C-section, and then multiply that by the number of C-sections that are done per year, approximately 4,333 women per year get addicted to opioids from their c-sections. That is a ridiculous number and it just makes my skin crawl. So the biggest thing to know for pain management for patients is that there are safe and very effective options to avoid opioids. They help us avoid the side effects. They help us increase the recovery process, making it much less delayed based on stuff like nausea, vomiting. You can get up and move easier. You can take care of your own baby. You don't have to worry about opioids in your breast milk, which does cross to the baby. And the fact is, patients just
1: do remarkably well without opioids if you do it right. Oh, this is music to my ears. (laughs) This is, um, this makes me really happy because we've, you know, we, we speak to a lot of moms and this is one of their biggest thing is the recovery is just not, um, it's, it, it, it could be better. It could be better for them. And it allows them to return to work, um, at a much more faster pace. I apologize if, um, if you listeners are picking up my son, um, in the background because childcare is still an issue, um, in America right now. So-
2: Now more than ever, women are demanding a quick recovery after surgery. Women are incredibly proactive when it comes to their health and ask their doctors a number of questions prior to surgery. Unfortunately, there's one topic that they often forget to discuss, which can directly impact their recovery experience, non-opioid pain management options. Non-opioid options used before, during, and after surgery can effectively manage pain while minimizing the need for opioids and limiting a patient's downtime after surgery. Planning for surgery? Unlock your X-Factor by visiting yourxfactor.com forward slash M8 to learn more about non-opioid pain management options and raise your expectations for what is possible after surgery.
1: So let's move on to my... It, so the, the, this next question is something that you know it, it's a little bit more uh, more personal, right? So so what what specifically um, motivated you um, to adjust your approach to surgery and provide a better recovery experience for your patients? So yeah,
0: this does get to the personal notes here, blessing. Um, so. <laughs> I I was already kind of looking into trying to minimize opioids. You know, we as physicians do this whole, you know, do no harm thing. Um, But I I hadn't really gotten my teeth into it until I had a very personal experience. Um, My husband and I used to host hockey players that were in the junior leagues um, when we lived in Iowa. And these boys were getting uh, drafted into the major league hockey. And in between the first and second summers, or the first and second seasons during the summer, um, the boy that lived with us those two years, uh, both of his best friends overdosed at a graduation party. They were opiate naive. As far as we know, they had never taken drugs before. Um, They were good kids. They were, one of them was already in college. The other one was about to graduate. Um, They were really, really good kids. And they went to a graduation party and wound up overdosing on opioids. And their mom, who I know, unfortunately was the one who found them dead in their beds and they lived not too far from me and knowing the statistics on most opioids being diverted from legitimate prescriptions the only thing I could think was it was my fault prescriptions that I had put out on the street ended up at that party and at that point I was ridiculously motivated to figure out a way to do this without opioids not just for the benefit of my patients, but to benefit their teenage sons down the line. So that's, that's that. Um, I also just the other day, and this is kind of a very recent story, one of my partners um, heard about a patient who was in the postpartum unit and um, was overdosed on opiates in postpartum not at any of the hospitals that I work at. Um, so this is kind of just a story that's being passed around the area. I don't know any details about it, but um, she was saying that it's the family's just devastated.
1: Wow, that 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 gave me chills. Um, that gave me a lot of chills because I I've, I personally have, um, you know, a certain group of friends as well um, that, you know, they've gotten a hold of, you know, their aunts or their cousins um, opioids while, you know, mama was you know in bed and i actually have a spouse that that did the same thing so the opioid mm-hmm. epidemic is real and I, I just hope that you know um especially as uh, you know as we l- get to learn more about non-opioid options that women can um can you know can choose better options um and and this leads me to why do we even do this in the first place right because i remember um you know I really just wanted to get back to normal, right? And so, so why do why do you think we might put so much pressure um, on themselves to get back to normal after surgery?
0: Well, as little as men might like to think it, women run this world. <laughs> um, <laughs> we we put pressure on ourselves to get back to normal because we're kind of the end of the line for a lot of stuff. Um, we're the one who does most of the cooking. Usually we're usually the ones who do most of the childcare. We're the ones who know when the kids are supposed to go to hockey practice, you know? So a, a recent survey actually revealed that almost all women like 96% ages 30 to 50 who have a surgical procedure, one of their biggest things is that they're anxious to re- get, get back to home so they can go back to their daily routine. The families just kind of fall apart when mom's not there. Forty-three um, percent of those women cited caregiving responsibilities as the top reason, and thirty-one percent said getting back to work was a key motivating factor to get back after surgery. So women need to work. We need to be able to be mommy. We need to be able to be wife. And specifically for C-sections, there's so many things that a new mom's expected to do. I mean, even honestly, before they get discharged, you have to get up. You've got to walk. You got to breastfeed. You got to you got to do diaper changes. And and you're supposed to be able to do this within hours of having had a major abdominal surgery.
1: Oh, tell me about it. <laughs> tell me about that one. Um, after having three C-sections, I, I could write a book about just the enormous amount of responsibilities um, that, you know, women have to shoulder after having a baby. And and, and that to me is part of, you know, and, and, I, and I'm glad you cited that, Dr. Storr, part of the major reasons why women put so much pressure on themselves to kind of, you know, get back on, you know, on top of everything and, and make sure that, you know, the kids are fine, the home is fine, and also that they can get back to work. Because as we know, you know, moms today are not getting the, the um, you know, the parental leave or the maternity leave that they truly deserve, whether it's federal or, or from their employ- employer. So that's something that is very, very important to us here at Mother Honesty as well, is how can we help moms get back to work, but you know in a safe manner. Um, so also, Dr. Store, in the last 12 months, um, 57% of OBGYNs um, stated they increased their use of non-opioids. Can you tell us more about your approach and the available non-opioid options you're using to manage pain after surgery. How has this approach impacted your patients?
0: So in my practice, I've been able to avoid or significantly reduce my opioid prescribing thanks to several different things. Um, One of them is that ARIS protocol system I talked about using an enhanced recovery after surgery. And that includes everything from making sure that my patients are healthy going into surgery, We use medications pre-op and also during the operating room and then specific techniques afterwards. One of the things that I think really kind of was the the icing on the cake or the cherry on top was a medication that I've been using for several years now. It's a really long acting numbing medicine that I put directly into the incisions and it's called Expirel. This specific non-opioid option allows me to really control my patient's pain for days afterwards. It lasts for so long that by the time the incision starts to hurt, the inflammation is gone and it doesn't hurt anymore. So the patients just have very, very little incisional pain. And when you kind of combine that with doing all of the other you know, kind of tweaks and things that I do with my surgeries, the patients report having a very positive recovery experience, shorter stays in the hospital, my C-sections go home, day two, which is the same day that my vaginal deliveries go home. All my GYN procedures go home same day from surgery, even my uh, open surgeries. And none of them complain about the normal side effects that you would get from opioids. My patients have very little nausea. They don't get constipated. They're up and moving. They feel like themselves. I actually recently had a C-section patient who was on section number three, and we had talked about doing that opioid you know, protocol, non-opioid protocol. And I went to see her day one after surgery and she was standing up holding her baby bouncing. And I said, well, you look like you're doing well. And she goes, gosh, I was thinking after my third C-section, this would be a lot worse, but this is the easiest one I've had. Did you do something different? <laughs> like, I said, yes, remember talking about that before surgery? She's like, I don't remember anything you said. Just cracked me up. <laughs>
1: I again I'm like so jealous um, but you know I'm gonna have to like bookmark your your practice for our last baby um, because that would be the experience that I would pay for um, absolutely
2: who said business and pleasure can't mix check out lincoln.com luxury vehicles designed with you in mind Thoughtful interiors and insightful technologies that provide an effortless ownership experience.
1: So, Dr. Stora, um, this is this is personal for me um, because I I have a toothache and my dentist is saying it's probably going to be um, you know we're probably going to have to extract um, two of my wisdom tooth. and I'm. <laughs> I'm on the fence. It's, I'm probably not going to do it, but if I, if I do do it, um, is this XBRL, this approach that you have adopted in the last couple of years, is this approach used beyond you know, C-section or women's health procedures? Yes, actually it is new to women's health. Oddly enough, isn't
0: that crazy? Um, C-sections are the most commonly performed procedures and yet they were one of the last to adopt this technology. Um, x can be used in pretty much any procedure that has an incision. So it can be used in knee and hip replacements. It can be used in appendectomies, hernia repairs, breast reconstruction. Um, I'm sure it can be used in wisdom tooth extraction as well. It can be pretty much injected anywhere.
1: Well, that's, that's music to my ears because um, actually my ears are hurting um, simply because of the tooth. So that's, it's creating headaches. I may, I may end up having to do this. And I, I think non-opioid approach is probably the best way to go um, for something like this if, it's, if, if it goes beyond women's health. Thank you so much for that suggestion. For sure. <laughs> so, so Dr. Stewart, what should patients do um, if their doctor doesn't offer them? A non-opioid option. So if I go to my dentist and I say, "Hey, you know, I'm very aware. Um, I listen to the Mother Honestly podcast. I know that there is, you know, a, a non-opioid option for something like this. What, what what can we do? How can we educate um, or advocate for ourselves, um, if you will?"
0: Honestly, one of the biggest things that women may need to hear on is that they are in charge of their own healthcare and they should be advocating for themselves. I can't tell you how many women friends of mine come home from doctor's appointments and then text me and say, hey, my doctor told me this, this, and this, but I don't really understand what they meant. And I was like, did did you ask questions? (laughs) Did, Did you get information from them? If they're not answering your questions and they're not giving you what you want, the attention, the treatment you need, find another doctor. You should not leave your doctor's office without an answer that makes sense to you. And it may not necessarily be what you wanna hear, Sometimes I tell my patients, hey, you know what? I just don't think that's a good option for you, but you should at least get an answer. And if you go home from your doctor's appointment and you don't know what's going on, you need to find a second opinion. Um, Advocate for yourselves, advocate for your kids. I mean, honestly, women will do anything to advocate for their children. Why don't you do that for you, right? So I I would also say it's probably important to ask your doctor whether they're even doing non-opioid prescriptions um, to manage pain during surgeries as you're starting to get the process rolling, if your doc says, hey, I think you need a procedure, say, great, do you do non-opioid approaches before you even book anything? Because if they don't use non-opioids or you know they rely heavily on opioids for post-op pain management, you might want to ask if they have somebody else that they can refer you to that does do that or start looking on your own. Um, I have had a couple of my partners have me scrub in on
1: their surgeries with them because I do these procedures and their patients are asking for it. Oh, this is, this is such an amazing idea. I feel like texting all of my um, OBGYN friends on my contact list right now and saying, Hey, <laughs> you, you all need to go try this if you haven't. Um, because for me, it's how can we, you know, better support women? Cause I, I just truly believe that, you know, it goes beyond, especially for us and our mission, it goes beyond, you know, supporting a woman's career or supporting a financial um, health. it, it we need to support women, women's health, right? And women spend a lot of time, you know, in the in the health industry. We go f- to have babies, we go to have surgery, we, you know, there's a whole different things, you know, happening on a daily basis that we need support um, medically for. And so having a a non-opioid approach to managing that pain if we do have a surgery or, you know, I know a lot of my friends um, that are having, you know, whether it's breast reconstruction or liposuction. I mean, it's, they are always posting, right, asking for suggestions around, um, you know, a non-opioid approach to managing their pain. So thank you so much, Dr. Stora, for coming on on the Modern Honesty podcast to share more about this wonderful, um, approach to managing pain and, you know, helping support our recovery goals as women, as mothers, Um, where can people go for more information? Well, thank you so much for, for having me. This has been great. And
0: please do text all your OB friends, shoot them my information. I'll talk with them anytime. Um, so if you're looking for more information, you can visit a website called yourxfactor.com backslash mh, as in Mother Honestly. So www.yourxfactor.com backslash mh. And that'll give you all the information you would ever want to know about non-opioid options and some of the information from a couple of those surveys that we did about moms. Oh, I feel
1: I feel like uh, we'll legit now. Uh, we, we have our own <laughs> special so please um do do check out this wonderful resource um it's www.xfactor.com slash mh we'll be posting this in the show notes as well um it's also going to be on our website if you want to learn more um, and please tell all your friends i just feel like this is a literally a christmas gift <laughs> if you will um or even a new year gift um you know to be able to um, learn more about how you can advocate for yourself and educate, um, those around you as they, you know, find options to managing their pain after surgery or even recovery, recovering to be able to get back to work, um, as soon as possible and hopefully, um, as safely as possible as well. Well, thank you so much, Dr. Store, for coming on the Modern Honesty Podcast. We really appreciate you and have a wonderful, wonderful rest of your day. Thank you so much. We'll talk to you later. Blessing.
2: thank you for tuning into the mother honestly podcast if you want more relevant content for the ambitious mom head on over to motherhonestly.com and follow us on instagram and facebook at mother honestly love our podcast we want to hear from you please rate and review our podcast and subscribe to the podcast so you never miss an episode. We love growing at Mother Honestly, and your reviews help us grow. Stay safe, stay well, and always stay ambitious.